0: Well, we, we did the first three episodes of uh, our current series, Secrets of Spiritual Growth. We took a, th- a break last week for Vision Sunday, and uh, we're back again today. So, this is part four, and then next week is five, the following week is six, and then that's us done with this message series. So, Today, today's message is called, what is today's message called? It is called, The Secret to Avoiding a Crisis of Faith. Have you ever known someone that seemed to have a living faith, seemed to have a strong faith, and then somehow or other something happened in their life that caused them to have a crisis? Of faith. And it can be all kinds of different things. For some people, it's um, they, uh, they learn some new piece of information. So let me tell you a common one. A common one is for people that have actually been brought up in church. This one doesn't apply so much to people who were brought up outside of church and at some point were converted and joined the flock, but this this one counts more for people who were brought up in church, and very often it especially happens to people who have been brought up in a particularly strict or legalistic or rigid type of approach to the faith that sometimes they're brought up in church and uh, maybe… I don't know, maybe they've been homeschooled or went to Christian school or something like that, but for some reason or other, they weren't exposed to a lot of other ideas out there in the world. And then when they leave home or when they go to university or something like that, and they are suddenly bombarded with all kinds of worldviews and beliefs contrary to what they have been taught, they have a crisis of faith. It happens quite common. And actually, I have even heard people thinking, well, in order to… saying this, in order to avoid people having the crisis of faith when they get to a certain age and leave home, we need to double down on how strict… No, no, that's what's causing the crisis of faith in the first place, right? Um, So, then there's other people that actually seem to have been Christians, and, and sometimes you even hear of people who were pastors or Christian leaders that something happens in their life. Maybe, uh, you know, something happens in their family. Maybe like a child died, or maybe a child rejects the Christian faith or something like that, and something happens that bothers the person, and all of a sudden they have a crisis of faith. I just don't know what I believe anymore, right? how do you avoid having a crisis of faith? The secret to avoiding having a crisis of faith is to understand what we looked at a couple of weeks ago, that the Bible tells us that there are three separate stages of spiritual growth And because most people don't know about that, they do know that we grow spiritually, but they don't know that there's three separate stages, and because of that, it's when people transition, when they are leaving one stage of spiritual growth where things felt kind of certain. But now it all feels uncertain because they're leaving that stage of spiritual growth and going into another one where things change, where they re-evaluate things and where their relationship with God changes slightly. If people don't know that that happens, when it is happening, they didn't expect it to happen. They didn't expect a re-evaluation to go on. They didn't expect a change in their relationship to God to happen. And they think, am I having a crisis of faith? Uh, like, uh, uh, like a couple of years ago, I knew where I stood on everything, and now I, I'm not sure where I stand on some things now. Am I having a crisis of faith? No, you're just in a transitional season between one, uh, one season and the other. So what I want to do today is I want to look at, look at these three microphones here. So we've got this one here. I want you to imagine everything from this microphone to this microphone, as being the first stage of spiritual growth. We don't have time to look at all the passages of Scripture that we did two weeks ago. If you missed it, watch the video. But we looked at all the passages of Scripture that the first stage of spiritual growth is called spiritual childhood. And then I want you to look at everything from this uh, microphone to this one as the second stage of spiritual growth which we saw the passages of Scripture a couple of weeks ago, this is called spiritual youth. And then everything beyond this microphone is called spiritual parenthood. It's the third stage of spiritual growth. Now, what about the curtains? So here's the, we have a curtain around the whole stage here. Now, you people sitting there have got no idea what goes on behind the curtain. We've actually got the Wizard of Oz back there and all kinds of stuff, right? So behind the curtain is the unknown. You can't see behind the curtain. So I want you to think of everything that you can see as this world that we live in, this visible, physical, material universe. I want you to think of everything behind the curtain as that which is beyond the veil, the heavenly realms, the spiritual realms, right? Now, I'm going to go all the way over to this curtain here. And I want you to imagine, now you don't know exactly before you were born, before you were born, you don't remember anything that happened. Although the Bible does say, before you were in your mother's womb. I knew you, says the Lord, and I set you apart with a plan for your life. tells us that in Jeremiah. So, before you were in your mother's womb, you were back here, and then you were born physically, and now you began the journey through life, okay? Now, at some point in your journey through life, You heard the gospel message. The Holy Spirit convicted you that this is true, this is real. I I am a lost sinner, but God loves me so much He sent a Savior, and whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. And at some point, after being born, at some point you were born again, you were spiritually born, you put your faith in Christ. And at that point, you could have been 12 years old when that happened, or you could have been 76 years old when that happened. I don't know how long you journeyed through life before you were confronted with the truth of the gospel. Some people do get it on their deathbed, and they never get the opportunity. The thief on the cross next to Jesus it while he was dying. remember me Lord when you come in your kingdom and Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise you have just crossed the line and so you are born again you become a new person and now you are a spiritual child and there are there's years and years and years that you're in this <clears throat> section if it all works properly. There's years that you're in this section of spiritual childhood, and in this stage of spiritual childhood, you're feeding on what the Bible calls the milk of the Word of God. You're supposed to be feeding your soul on the milk of the Word of God. And it tells us that we looked at all the Scriptures that the milk of the Word of God is this. It is it teaches, it's, it's the, the, the topics, the, the uh, emphasis that teaches us number one, how kind the Lord is. Another passage of Scripture says it is the basic teachings about Jesus Christ. And another passage says, it is knowing that your sins have been forgiven through Jesus and that God has become your Father. So you are growing. You are realizing who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for you, how my sins are forgiven fully totally and completely forgiven. My sins past, present, and future have been wiped out. I am redeemed. I am forgiven, not through what I can do, but through what Jesus has done, through the finished work of Christ. My sins are totally forgiven through the the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, the finished work of Christ. I am totally forgiven. I have assurance of salvation. I have become a child of God, a little child at the moment, but I've become a child of God, and God is my loving heavenly Father, and I am discovering how kind the Lord is. And as you grow, as you're growing, at some point you start to develop a spiritual appetite, and you think, man, I I want to know about this and that, and and you start to get a hunger for Scripture, and you buy Christian books, and you listen to podcasts, and you sign up for seminars, and small groups and stuff like that because a change is taking place in you. You are now crossing from the spiritual childhood stage into the spiritual youth stage, and at that stage, the Bible tells us that your diet changes from the milk of the Word to the meat of the Word. All of a sudden, I want all the meaty teachings out of the scriptures. I want to know about this, and I want to know about that. And I've got all these beliefs, but I don't know how they all fit together. And some Christians say this thing is right, but some Christians say no, it's that way is the right way. And you begin to get, and uh, really, you begin to learn and grow. You begin to develop a voracious appetite for the Word of God and for uh, uh, and for learning and for understanding and for things beginning to fit and your faith grows and you will be many years, probably decades in this section here. And uh, not only are you learning truths about God, but you're also applying these truths in your life, and you're discovering that you've got unresolved issues in your life, that you're giving place to the devil, and that you've got the, the, the weakness of the flesh and all of that kind of stuff, and you're dealing with issues in your life, and you are growing and growing. And then at some point in your journey of faith, like you've read the Bible so many times, you've studied all these different teachings and so on, and things are now falling Falling into place you've spent many years examining every piece of the jigsaw puzzle and saying I think this is blue do you think this is blue you know, like the Pentecostals say it's blue, but the Baptists say it's slightly green. And the, somebody else says it's something. What is it? And you're, you're comparing to Scripture what people are saying. And I, no, I've come to the conclusion that it's blue. Okay, and so you've come to the conclusion about lots of things. But at some point, the pieces begin to fall into place. And it's like, instead of being caught up with… What does the Bible say about the second coming? What about creation? What about Noah's flood? What was the Passover all about? All of a sudden, it's now falling into a big picture. And you feel like you don't, you don't feel like you know it all. You've still got so much more to learn, but you feel like you're now settled about the big picture. It's now looking like a big plan. And you also you're not saying you're perfect. You've still got issues to deal with, but you kind of feel like the issues that were tripping you up, you've brought them before God, and you feel like you're coming to a place of wholeness. And at that point, you cross over into this spiritual parenthood stage, where the focus now is on the big picture. You know Him who is from the beginning. You have a deep knowledge and a daily intimate walk with the Lord in which you now feel that instead of your your journey of faith being the center of your universe and you're trying to fix it all out, now you feel like you're a part of God's big plan, that God has a plan, that His plan will come to pass, and that you are now discovering your life purpose and your place in that plan. And you will continue to grow in this phase all the way until you die and go back behind the curtain again on the other side. That is the journey of spiritual growth. That is basically all of these passages of Scripture that we look through. But one of the problems is very often nobody explains to us out of 1 John chapter 2 that there are three distinct phases of spiritual growth. So sometimes when people are going through a transition from one to the other, they're not really sure what what is happening. Let me tell you about my journey of spiritual growth. I was born again, around about 18 years of age, and I came to faith in Christ. And I came to Christ because I had needs in my life, because I had messed my life up. I'd been involved in drugs, I'd meddled around in the alcohol, all kinds of stuff. And then I came to a place of faith in Christ, and I was completely transformed, and I was a baby Christian. And thankfully, I had somebody who was discipling me, the man who led me to faith in Christ, continued to walk with me in my Christian walk for maybe a couple of years, a year and a half, a couple of years. So for the beginning of that time, he really helped me get established on the important things. And sometimes I would say to him, you know, uh, I, I, I was walking down the street and there was Christians out evangelizing, handing out tracts and Somebody gave me this little comic book, and it's all about the end times, and it's quite scary, and people have got tattoos on their heads, and I don't know. And he said, just don't even think about that just now. You are a baby Christian. You need to know about Jesus. Read the Gospels. Develop your relationship with God. Pray, and and just, just get to know God and what He has done in your life. And so that really helped me. Things like that helped me. I remember even one time saying to him, oh, I was speaking to somebody at my work, and they were saying, oh, you don't believe in all that Adam and Eve stuff, do you? And I and remember, I was like 18, 19 years old or something, and I said, oh, I think that's just an allegory. I don't know if it's actually true or not. And then my pastor said to me, well, I don't think it's an allegory. I think actually it is historical. But, but you don't need to, you know, it's not put your faith in Adam and Eve to get saved. It's put your faith in Jesus, he said. And so it's Jesus you need to focus on. And that, things like that really helped me. And then there came a time in my life where I crossed, and I crossed pretty simply into this phase, and I was, like most people, decades in this phase, and I, was, I went to Bible college, and I was hungry for Scripture, and I was growing in my faith, and I even became a young pastor at some point, and I'm still in this stage. Most pastors are in this stage. Most people feel a call to full-time ministry when they are in this stage. Most churches preach and teach at this stage, okay? We're teaching scripture. We're trying to get you to understand what you believe and why you believe it, and also how to apply it into your own life so that it's practical. And so, for years, even as a young pastor, I was pastoring churches where there were people who were spiritual parents in the congregation, and they must have cringed at times at some of the things I said, but I said them anyway because youth say things. And so, um, but they stuck with me and, and so on, and I had apostolic fathers who mentored me and all that stuff, and and then there came a time when I I began to kind of cross over to this stage, and I remember there were some things that were really, really, really important to me back here, really important to me. I thought, everybody needs to know about them, everybody needs to believe them, everybody needs to put them into practice, and by the time I got over here, I thought, I don't even know how important that is anymore. In fact, I don't even know how true that is anymore. So, I would just, there were some things that were once important to me, and they didn't seem to be as important. It was kind of like the main things were now becoming the main things in my life, and the lesser things. And I remember thinking, am I having a a crisis of faith? Am I now doubting Scripture? No, I'm not doubting Scripture. The reason I'm changing my view about things is because of Scripture, because I can't, make my view fit in anymore with the whole of Scripture. And I went through this season, maybe about a year or so, kind of like deconstructing things in my faith and reconstructing them because I knew it was almost like I've got the jigsaw puzzle, but I've also got six pieces that don't fit anywhere in this picture, and I don't know what to do with them, so I'm going to put them on the shelf. And then I came to a place where I realized that no, it wasn't that I was doubting. It wasn't that I was having a crisis of faith. I wasn't becoming an apostate. I was, my priorities in life were changing. And now my relationship with God had moved on actually to a much deeper one. And now I was, re- see, over here, when I was reading scripture as a spiritual child, I was discovering scripture. Oh, wow, Jesus did that next. Oh man, that is amazing. I've got no idea what that means. What does that mean? You know, I was discovering things over in this stage, I'd already discovered Scripture. Now I wanted to understand it. Now I was feasting with it. Now I was wrestling with my beliefs and so on. But by the time I got here, I had that settled. And now I'm still reading Scripture, but now it's to feed my soul. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The preceding word, the daily word. It's kind of, I I know the gospel, and I still believe it, And and I've I've sorted out my teachings, but I still want to continue the rest of my life in my walk with God. And the Bible tells us that we should think about how we're doing in our faith. Let me show you three passages of Scripture. Let's look at the first one up here. 2 Corinthians says this, 13 verse 5, it says, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. It doesn't say go about examining everybody else. It says, examine yourself to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourself. Surely you know that, the, that Jesus Christ is among you. Now, the word know means you deeply, fully, and experientially know this. And the word among you can, the Greek word can be trans it means two things at the same time. It means he is amongst us. He's in our midst. Wherever two or more are gathered together in his name, he is here amongst us. But it also means in you among in you within you yourself, surely you know the presence of Christ surely you know the presence of Christ dwells within you if you don 't then you have failed the test of genuine faith so this is telling us that there 's genuine faith and there's faith that 's not genuine and genuine faith is faith that brings you into a deep personal and true knowledge of Jesus being with you and within you as a living person. Let's look at the next verse. It's 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 10, and he says, So dear brothers and sisters, diligently make sure that you are really among those God has called and chosen. I am convinced that there are lots and lots of people who are part of, a part of Christian churches who have never actually come to a place of saving faith in Jesus Christ. They might have a little bit of religion, you know, church attendance and things like that. They might have some philosophical beliefs about being a nice person and all that kind of thing. They might have stuff like that, <clears throat> but like, there's no evidence of a saving faith, of a rebirth, of being regenerated. Church, Jesus told us there would be even people who pose and position themselves as Christian leaders who were never saved in the first place. Many, not two or three, many shall come in that day and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and do that in your name? And he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Not I knew you once and we fell out. I never knew, you were never part of the kingdom. And so sometimes people have a crisis of faith because some preacher or evangelist has a scandal and they say, I just don't know what I believe anymore. Believe in Jesus. He guaranteed us that that was exactly what was gonna happen and it does, okay? Do not put your faith in any man, especially not me. Don't put your faith in anybody except Jesus Christ and Him alone. One more verse here on this topic. It says this, next next passage, next one. What has happened here? Ah, Oh, there we go. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk to you as if you were ordinary human beings or infants in Christ over here I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready, for you're still controlled by your human nature, because you're jealous of one another, and you quarrel with one another, and and you fight on Facebook over the the timing of the second coming of Jesus, or over this thing. Right, doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your human nature? And some of you are living like people of this world. So many Christians that their, their values come from the mainstream media, not from the Living Word of God. Uh, you're controlled by like living like people of this world. One of you says I'm a follower of Paul. Another says I follow Apollos. Another one says I'm a Lutheran. Another one says I'm a Calvinist. Another one says I'm a Pentecostal. Another one says I'm in this camp and in that camp. That is an an immature stage in faith. Aren't you acting just like the people of this world? And so, he is telling us that we need to evaluate and examine our faith. And he's also telling us that we need to make sure that our faith is genuine, and once we've made sure that it's genuine, we need to evaluate where we currently are, and if we should have been further ahead than we really are, then maybe we need to evaluate that too. And so, I'm going to give you some questions now. If you're here, you might want to take a photograph of these questions. If you can't remember them, if you're in on our online campus, you might want to grab some screenshots. We're going to look at the three stages of spiritual growth. And at each stage, I'm going to ask you and ask you to ask yourself three questions for each stage. And these questions will help you identify which stage you are currently in, if you're facing any difficulties or stumbling blocks in that stage, and if you are, how to fix them, and whether it might be time for you to move on to the next stage. So let's start with this one, spiritual childhood. And let's start. I've got three questions. Here's our first one. Are you completely convinced that your sins are forgiven? I don't just mean kind of like a little bit forgiven, but totally and completely forgiven, washed away. Do you doubt that God has forgiven you? Do you still struggle with shame and guilt because of things in your past? Because if you do, You're really needing to get grounded here, because the thing here is, I write to you little children because you know that your sins have been forgiven because of Jesus. If you are not settled there, don't try and learn about the book of Leviticus, for goodness sake. Stick here. Oh, I want to know what the beast in Revelation is. You don't even know whether you're forgiven or not. Get that sorted. Second question here. Let's look at the next one. Do you accept the fact that God loves you fully and freely loves you? Do you see God as your beloved father? Not an angry father, an absentee father, but your beloved papa, your abba father? Or do you see God as someone who is judgmental and distant? Because here, If you've got any doubts about that, you need to fix things in this stage because this is your foundation. And if there's cracks in the foundation and you don't fix them here, it will cause you a problem up the road. A couple of years ago, I was flicking through some channels on the TV, and a preacher came on the TV, and I thought, oh, I like this guy. I'm going to watch it, and I started watching it, and the more I watched it, the more shocked I became. Here was a preacher. He was like way over here somewhere in his spiritual journey, and, and he was in charge of teaching thousands of people. And he was warning them, you know, one day we will all give an account to God, and so if if you've got sin in your life, you need to make sure that you deal with that sin and get it out. And he was talking about sin a little bit, and then he said this, he said this shocking statement. He says, I know you don't like me preaching about this subject, but I have to preach about it, because if I don't preach about this, I could go to hell myself. And I thought, whoa, wait a minute. You could go to you're a preacher, and down here you're supposed to—oh, I've lost my poppy—down here you are supposed to be established in the fact that your sins are totally, fully, and completely forgiven because of Jesus, not because of you, and that you've been born into God's family. But this guy is still down this. And the more I listened to him, the more I realized he knew a lot about Scripture. He had spent a lot of time here, but someone had rushed him through here and got him to hear as quickly as possible. And he still had doubts about Will I make it into heaven or might I go to hell? He still had doubts about these basic things and he carried those doubts with him in his journey of faith. And then when he started talking to people, his doubts came out as well. If you think that you might go to hell, you need to establish this. The third question here, what's our third question? Do you have complete assurance of salvation. Unlike that preacher, do you have complete assurance of salvation? Do you know for sure that you are safe in your Father's hands and nothing can separate you from the love of God? neither height nor depth, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future. There is nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God. Jesus said, you're safe in my hands, and no one can snatch you out of my hands. And even if they could, he said, you're also in the Father's hands, and no one can snatch you out of his hands. Uh, Can you accept that Jesus did it all, and you have nothing to add? Or do you worry that you may lose your salvation if your performance isn't up to par? If any of these three questions are a problem or an issue to you, don't try to go on anywhere else until you have made sure your foundation is firm and sure. If everything's good there, let's move on to the next stage, to spiritual youth. Spiritual youth, here's my three questions for you. Do you find yourself becoming jealous of other Christians that seem more blessed or stronger in faith than you? Remember he said jealousies was a sign of immaturity, right? Um, Or do you quarrel or debate and argue or find yourself getting frustrated with Christians who believe or live differently from you? In other words, Do you think that your current understanding of God is the same as God? Because you will have an understanding of God at this stage, and your understanding of God will change as you're going through this stage and as you're learning more. And your understanding of God will change as you're over at this stage. Your understanding of God will change. God won't change. God is always the same. So, if your understanding is changing, don't confuse that with God. God is always the same you're just trying to catch up with who He is in His understanding. But do you think my current understanding of God is the same as God, and therefore, if somebody has a slightly different understanding, they cannot be connected to God as well? You know so, next question: Do you idolize a particular Christian teacher? or regard yourself as being in a particular camp of the Christian church, Reformed, Better Covenant, Pentecostal, Progressive, whatever? Do you regard one particular interpretation of Scripture to be right and all other contrary insights to be false? I mean, it's… Oh, I keep losing my poppy. It's true, it is true that one interpretation of Scripture may be more correct than another one, but I've read books and listened to messages by people who hold to an interpretation of Scripture that I don't, and I have still learned things from them, okay? Do you view Christians who are in other streams of the Christian church as being in error or being deceived or in need of correction? Because remember this, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm in different camps is a sign that you have got yourself in immaturity at this stage. Let's read on. Next one. Are you becoming spiritually dry and intellectually superior at the same time? Maybe you know a lot more about the faith now, but is your your actual faith as alive as it used to be? Are you concerned that some of your attitudes are judgmental and legalistic? Has your faith begun to focus more on what is wrong than what is right? Are you sin conscious and devil conscious? And do you view the world and, and its inhabitants as being in league with the devil? Or do you accept that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all that it contains? Like God is on His, th- the devil's not on the throne, God is on the throne, whatever is going on in the world. And the next one, which is, my, my, which is spiritual parenthood, and that's when we cross over here. Are you beginning to see a much bigger and wider view of God? oh my goodness, I used to think of God as being that narrow, but now I'm beginning to see that God's actually at work in everything. God has a plan. I mean, God has a plan for the whole world. He has a plan for every nation, tribe and tongue, and He's doing things that I don't even know about. Are you beginning to see His handiwork in things you never did before, in creation and in history and in other denominations and theologies and in other people and cultures? Are you getting frustrated with people preaching a small and limited view of God? Let's look on because that's a sign of of a hunger for spiritual parenthood. Do you feel a longing and a stirring for a much simpler relationship with God? Like when you were in this stage and you're learning everything and it's all exciting, but at some point you realize, oh my goodness, I have overcomplicated my faith so much I wish I could just get back to a simple relationship with Jesus, right? Sometimes people, after they've been through years of this, wish they could get back to a simple relationship with Jesus. That's actually a sign that you're crossing over here. Um, Have you been deconstructing and reconstructing some of your beliefs and even throwing some things out and adding some fresh insights? And is that bringing with it the temptation to demonize all your past beliefs and those who still hold them? I have seen people who have been Christians for a long time begin to cross to this stage and have a crisis of faith because now they're beginning to see things a little bit differently. And instead of seeing that as the natural progression, they then begin to criticize the things that they used to be. I don't believe that. What you believe in that for? You need to believe this. You know, all of this kind of stuff. And they start to even attack. They call it deconstructing their faith. And they start to even attack. Do you know what that would be like? Building a three-story house. Here's the first-story house, and we build the first story. And then we build the second story on top of it. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we build the bedrooms on the third story, and the bedrooms are so comfortable. You think, this is so comfortable, I think I'll just hang about on the third story. And in fact, I don't even like the first two stories. I'm going to demolish them. If you demolish the first two stories of your faith, the third story will collapse, and you will have a crisis of faith. I don't know how many preachers I've seen who were good teachers of the Word, and then at some point crossed over and said, I don't think there's even a hell anymore or anything. And they don't know what they believe anymore. So what happened? You didn't understand that it, was, a, it was, a, was not a crisis of faith. It was a transition to the next stage. So you demolished the first and second story, and your house collapsed. Anyway, next one. I think I've got one more. Do you feel like, and this is a common thing for people over here, do you feel like you're done with church? It just doesn't do it for you anymore. The same people who every week are saying, oh, I love church. I learn something new every week. And then you meet them a couple of years later, ah, I've not been at church for six months. I just don't get anything out of it anymore, right? Instead of a negative thing, that is a sign that your worldview has fallen into place, Right? Um, Do you feel like I can have a relationship with God and faith in Christ without church? Are you put off church by many of the other Christians there? Maybe even some of the leaders. Could you see people at your church differently now as a family, all at different stages of growth, but still all one family? You know, I said here, people very often hear, after going through years of learning and learning and growing and growing and changing, they suddenly say, oh, I wish I could have a simpler relationship with Jesus again. And you know what? That's what this stage is all about. It's about going full circle. It is about going full circle. Like every story is, like every story is, Bilbo Baggins leaves the shire. He fights with orcs and does spiritual warfare and learns great deep teachings from Gandalf. He gets rid of the ring. Oh, and he has learned so much through his journeys that he's a changed person. But what does he do? He goes back to the Shire and he lives in the Shire again. We start off by developing a relationship, a personal and deep relationship with God. And then we go through this phase, this journey through life where we learn so many truths and we fight so many battles and we are changed in the process, but we long to return to the shire. We long to return to a simple relationship with Jesus, and that's what this is. Look at this next slide, and you'll see. Spiritual children are told, "'Your sins are forgiven.'" And you've come to know the Father. It's about knowing God. And spiritual parents are told it's about a knowledge of God and a relationship with God. You've come to know Him who is from the beginning. It's almost like you've gone full circle through this stage, but now you've got the wisdom and the knowledge that comes with it. Whatever stage of your spiritual journey you're at, whether it's this one here, and you're still establishing the foundations, and you're developing assurance of salvation and a relationship with God, or maybe you're in this stage and you're reading books and listening to podcasts and watching videos and reading the Bible and learning and growing and coming to terms with what you believe and why you believe it and looking at your own life and applying the Scriptures and changing. Maybe you're at this stage, or maybe you did all that years ago and you now have a settled faith and a daily walk with God that no one can take away from you. You know, you deeply and experientially know Him and you're walking with Him. But wherever you are in that, don't let anything, don't let the stage of spiritual growth that you're at, or the things that you do at those stages of spiritual growth, or the things that you learn at those stages, or the people who are teaching you, don't let any of that become your idol. No matter where you are in your journey of faith, the most important thing is to always, no matter how much you're learning, how complicated it is, always have a simple and genuine and authentic relationship with and faith in Jesus Christ. Here's my last verse, and here's what it says. It says, but I fear, Paul writes, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Ask yourself these questions. Identify which stage you're at. And fix whatever problems need to be fixed and continue step by step to grow in your faith. But throughout it all, make sure it's not the doctrines that you're believing or the style of worship that you like or the church that you belong to or any of that that is the priority, but it is staying in a simple, a genuine, and an authentic relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ come on let's stand together church I want to pray for us Uh, I would like to encourage you to just close your eyes maybe put your hands out or raise your hands or get into an attitude or posture of prayer and of receiving And the reason we're praying is because spiritual growth is not a matter of human effort. My message today is not try harder to be a better Christian. It's open up to the grace of God. Open up to the Spirit of God. Allow God to work in your life in a unique way. You will grow at a different rate and in a different way than everybody else. You have a unique and individual walk with God. So Father, I pray today, let your grace come like the rain. Let it wash over us. Let your spirit come like oils pouring over each one of us today. I pray about any errors in our life. Errors in our beliefs. Sins in our lifestyle. Wrong priorities. Idols that we have put upon a throne in our heart and mind. I pray for all of that stuff to be washed away. To be removed. And I pray for each one of us here. Everyone in our online campus. Come and fill us afresh. Come and fill us up to overflowing. Give us your grace. Give us your strength. Give us your guidance, your wisdom, and your power. And I pray that all of the seeds of the Word of God that are sown in our hearts, that today your grace and your spirit would water those seeds, that those seeds would take root, they would begin to grow, and each one of us at the perfect pace for us would see ourselves growing, flourishing, blossoming, and bearing abundant fruit. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen, church.